0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Millennial Money. Today, we're going to be talking about fears brewing in the market because it's been too much of a euphoric rally for too many stocks, and it can't last forever, can it? And this is where we're going to start with just that. Graham, Jeremy, Andre, what's going on out there?
1: Gosh, I feel like first we got to talk about maybe Rivian. That seems to be the... The, the talk of the town right now, what is it? $175 a share. And uh, I remember, I think we were talking actually last week, it was Andre and I, and both of us were saying, ah, you know, we're going to wait a little bit before jumping in. You know, usually the first week is is iffy. And a lot of people had the expectation it was going to go like the uh, like the Coinbase fiasco where it's going to run up for like an hour and then boom, it's going to tank. Didn't do that. As soon as you think it's going to do something, it's automatically going to do the opposite. So if you think it's going to drop, no, nah, it's going to double.
2: So uh we said in the last week's podcast, too, is like it's going to go the exact opposite of what we just said. And that's exactly what it did.
3: <laughs> yep.
1: Pretty much. So, yeah. So do you think it could reach uh, 200? Can we see a $200 price target? i don't know but this this video is sponsored
2: by motley i'm just kidding it's not
1: (laughs) this video is sponsored by uh lucid make sure to get your lucid vehicle down below in the description i'm kidding yeah Mm. Yeah, i mean i think uh there's a good chance it it can hit
0: 200 but i think it's uh it's sitting on toothpicks of fundamentals it's sitting on a lot of hope uh and rivian's actually timed this perfectly because if you think about it Uh, I feel like a lot of traders are afraid of trading Tesla right now because all it takes is Elon swiping up and and there goes 5% and your day trade got screwed. So you may as well go day trade Rivian.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I I call Rivian the cryptocurrency of stocks. It has no (laughs) revenue. But it has a $150 billion valuation. Like, who knew, you know? six burn. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I've been saving that one all day, Andre. Okay. I've been, I've been, been practicing it. Out. Like, I'm going to use this on millennial money tonight. I can't wait. But uh, in all seriousness, guys, it, it's a little insane. And I feel like it's one of those, the higher it goes, the, the harder the fall is going to be. I mean, to be co- completely honest, I mean, it's just everybody's uh, on wall street i guess thinks every ev company is going to be the next tesla and what have we learned from basically every ev company they're not tesla and almost every single one falls 50 percent plus you know and so I-, I feel like rivian's just the next uh candidate to uh you know maybe maybe the crash starts tomorrow maybe it starts next week maybe it starts next month but we just i feel like we all know it's going to come down It's going to come yeah
1: as you know it's funny as a good example of this i for fun i put i think it was like five grand into lordstown motors ride i'm gonna tell you how much i'm down on that investment because it's uh i think this is my worst investment that i've that i've ever made uh in the market yeah okay so, oh, actually, no. Wait a second. No, I only put two thousand dollars in this. Thank God. Uh, yeah. Okay. Go wait. No, actually, crap. No, it's worse than I thought. I only have two thousand dollars left. Okay. <laughs> put a hundred thousand in.
0: <laughs>
1: no, no. So get this. So I put I, I put eight grand in Lordstown Motors as just like a fun sort of. I'm you gonna know, see what happens in this. You never know. It's just a fun gamble. Uh, it's down seventy nine percent. Oh my god. <laughs>
2: Dude, that's insane.
1: 79%. Now, I'm so th- – like, like obviously, I put a part of my portfolio in just fun, risky stuff because it's just – why not? You never know. Uh, so in what relation to everything else, that? I mean, it, it's a drop in the bucket. But, uh, yeah, this one, good example. They don't always go as
2: planned. Graham, you know what you could have bought with that? You could have bought an NFT for that, and you could have been up. <laughs> You know, I could have got so many iced coffees for that. I understand.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I actually bought a Mickey Partner statue from the VV platform uh, when they launched on Friday. This is like their biggest drop, right? It's the it's the Disney iconic. Let me see if you could see it on camera. It's Disney, uh, Walt Disney, and Mickey, right? And this thing retailed for three hundred thirty dollars when it dropped on Friday. Sold out in under a second. Okay, so I'm driving. This is like, I don't know, I'm gonna say five hours after the drop. I look, it's going for $3,000 in the secondhand market. $3,000. I, I buy in because I'm like, I know this thing's gonna be worth a lot. So I just buy it for three grand. Three, wait, 10 minutes later, <laughs> 10 minutes later, I look in the market and it is worth close to $7,000. So in like a few minutes, is it just shoots up let let me see where it's at right now okay so the floor price right now the cheapest one you can get in at right now is 6.8 k wow what's
1: what's special? see I don't get what's special about those why why those
2: why those because this is the first uh official drop that Disney's doing I mean this is not their first nft but this is their most iconic one. And As far as what it does, it spins.
3: <laughs>
2: Kevin's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you can actually put it inside of your, uh, I guess, uh, showroom and show it off to your friends like you would any other NFT, like a Bored Ape or anything else. Clearly, this is the best investment right now.
3: <laughs> clearly,
2: clearly, Andre
3: not as good it's- as TTCF, jeremy no. but uh, <laughs> no, hey. nothing's beaten that one that makes cryptocurrencies look boring andre okay hold on before
2: we get into the nft thing i saw your video on ttcf jeremy and i did not understand okay i guessed in your instagram so you took a poll whether the stock is going to go up or down during earnings i guess down i guess right probably for the wrong reasons but so it leaked the the earnings leaked how is that possible
3: yeah. So this is complicated, Andre, and you could be wrong because it's really depending upon what happens with TTCF tomorrow if it's actually down, but it's complicated. Not on so I'm
2: debating. debating. OK, let's get to the bottom of this. Should we buy okay. TTCF? Because this, is, this well, is really cool.
3: Yeah, this is a dramatic situation. I think I, everybody deserves an explanation. So TTCF, first off, they reschedule their earnings, which is like a huge yeah. deal. They reschedule it last week. So then it gets rescheduled to today. Then all of a sudden, about an hour Before the market closes, stock tanks. Brian texts me and all of a sudden he's like, hey, look at this report that's coming out. It's all over message boards and whatnot. Somehow they put it on their website or something and it got leaked. And so the numbers and everything, 58.8 mil, 44% revenue growth, everything was, was in there while the market was still open. And so it was a dramatic situation. And then we go into after hours trading, the press release actually comes out Stock uh, opens up or opens down four or five percent. Then by the end of the conference call, it's up one percent. So needless to say, Tattoo Chef might overtake Tesla for the most dramatic stock in the stock market. It's a drama show. I've never been part. I've never been part of, of something like this. I can tell you that. Where you a company rescheduled earnings, and then the earnings come out in the middle of the trading day. In twelve plus years of doing this, never so happened I, to me. So I didn't follow different.
1: that. Were the earnings good or bad,
3: or did they just meet? It depends on what you, they missed uh, the growth rate, but it's still 44% growth year over year and 56% branded revenue growth year over year. Now the shorts are going to say that's not enough. They need to grow 60% plus. As a shareholder, I wish they would have done 50% plus, but still 56% branded revenue growth is nothing to sneeze at. It's kind of like, it'd be like Tesla missing by a little bit and being like, well, I guess I'm going to sell my Tesla position because they missed uh, earnings or something like that. Right? So- Anyways, it's a dramatic situation. It's a sideshow, but the fundamentals are still intact. So that's all I have to say Wait,
2: so tomorrow, are we going to see a sell-off
3: or are we going to see a spike? I feel like it it should be a sell-off technically because they- No, I I actually feel like we're more likely to see a spike because now the boogeyman's out of the market. The boogeyman was, uh, the shorts are like, they're going to report a disastrous number. There's going to be some, they were cooking the books. That's what they were in. Basically, it was an immaterial difference. And so that was what the shorts were saying. They're cooking the books over there. They're they're going to have a disastrous earnings now that boogeyman's out. And now it's just back to the fundamentals and the long term story there over the next five, 10 years. So it was all just a sideshow and all for what to this for the stock to go back to 16, which is what we always talk about on this channel. It goes from 16 to 20 something, 20 something to 16 and back and forth. It's 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 a drama show, man, and it's gonna. I mean, if it was gonna move, wouldn't it have just been doing that in after-hours trading? It depends. A lot of retail folks like to buy in the open markets. A lot don't even have uh, after hours trading and a lot don't like to mess with after hours. So I think what happened in the trading day is you actually had there's not a ton of big money in the stock because it's like a one something billion dollar market cap. But I think some of the big money saw what happened there, sold off. And then uh, traders obviously sold off because they're like, oh, they didn't they didn't beat earnings. So the stock's going to tank. So they all got out. They all sold during the trading day. And so that's why the stock also went down four or 5%. It finished down like 2.75%. And tomorrow we'll get to see what happens tomorrow. In my opinion, the, the price action will be driven by retail investors, whether those folks want to sell out or buy in. I, th- I don't think big money's affecting it. I don't think honestly trader money's affecting it. I think it's going to be um, folks like myself that will uh, affect the stock price tomorrow. So it's 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 a fun drama show. I will say that it's Kevin, given a little
1: look to the market. What do you think, Kevin? I want to hear your perspective.
3: No, no. Let's move on to the next. Yeah. Subject. No, no, no. no Jeremy, yeah, I don't we no. want to hear what,
1: what Kevin has to say. <laughs> he's holding back. You see, you could see by his uh, by his smile here. There's some uh, there's some feelings between you two. Wow. It's hey. You know, J- Jeremy's probably right. <laughs>
3: Kevin, how much did I pay you to say that? <laughs> What's uh, your value? Yeah, I mean,
0: look, I mean, I, I hope it does well for you. I I don't like it. You know, it's it's interesting because I was talking to some people about this, and uh, it, it's the narrative has evolved a little bit. Maybe you can shed some color on it, uh, but uh, or, or sh- shed some light on it. You know, it, it was always that. Oh, Champ is adding so many SKUs. They're gonna have so much growth. So much growth. It's gonna be an easy sixty million plus. Uh, quarter, which it wasn't, came in at you know 58, uh, and the marketing expenses, which people are like, oh, we don't even need marketing. The sales are going to be great. We're just going to add all these SKUs and got so many loyal buyers. the The sales are going to come in so much higher. And then the marketing comes in higher, uh, way higher than expected, leading the operating costs to be what like double what we were, the losses to be double what we were expecting, 8.2 million versus a four million loss. I think the marketing was a little over three million dollars, uh, and and now it's like the narrative has been spun a little bit of like, oh well. They advertised, and because they advertised, they they did well. (laughs) And it's like, wait a minute, they they were supposed to do well without all the advertising. And so I've personally believed that it was the reason I sold uh, that uh, their marketing's not good. Uh, And so I I am very nervous about their marketing, and it's just not a stock I want to hang out with while they test how to market uh so that's just been my thesis again like i hope it works but i see a little bit of a narrative shift in in that oh now the justifications for the marketing and 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 i don't think the last i think the last thing you want to do is try to justify the marketing on it
3: yeah and and that's fair kevin and it's also fair that you don't want to take part in the stock because i don't think it's a stock for everybody as far as me the way i personally look at it i I don't care i just care about the revenue growth and that's Mm. it and i Honestly, I turn a blind eye to all the other drama margins. I'm doing the same exact thing I did on Tesla. And maybe it comes back to bite me, right? And maybe the stock doesn't work out. I don't care about what they spend on marketing. I don't care about the margins. I don't even care about the losses in the short term. In a few years, mm-hmm. I will care about that. I promise you that. That will yeah. that will matter to me. But in the short term, I care about revenue growth. I want them growing as fast as possible, getting in as many stores as possible, as many SKUs as possible. And I'll be honest, I think a lot of these stores are understaffed. And I think their resets are taking longer than expected. I'm going into Smith stores, which is owned by Kroger and I'm still waiting on those freezer resets. Like it's taken forever. I think these stores are understaffed target inventory is extremely low. I went to my local Target; it's a disaster zone, the whole freezer section. I'm not just talking about tattoo chef. I'm serious. It looks like, you know, there was a, it looks like people thought frozen food was going to run out of inventory or something. So I don't know what's going on. uh, But needless to say, I think there's more factors at play. And I think, the rollouts are taking a little longer, but regardless, it's fifty-six percent branded revenue growth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you miss a number here. I mean, I've I've been in Tesla stock for years. They've missed numbers plenty of times. And Kevin, you know this. It's not like Tesla beats numbers every time. They'll miss numbers on profit loss. They'll miss numbers on margin over the past four or five years. They miss revenue numbers. They miss delivery numbers. They miss production numbers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, I mean, it's it's you. It's a smaller company
0: that's just now growing. And I mean, they've got a lot of experience. I mean, what, what they were founded in like, what, 03, 04 or whatever, doing white-labeled uh, food manufacturing. So we know they have the experience. We know they can do it. And it makes sense that uh, now they're transitioning away from all the, the, the private labeling uh, is, is what they were doing to just doing their own brand. So it's great you're seeing that growth. Um, you know, I just I, I just hope they can get profitable for you. I mean, they're, I know you said you don't care about the margin, but their margins declined and may, maybe that's because food prices have gone up you know ingredient costs have gone up inflation shipping and all that good stuff um i, I yeah i mean hey maybe it's a, it's part of a diversified
3: portfolio to have some food in there <laughs> but it's not for me yeah you know, I, I and i respect that kevin it's definitely you know it doesn't have to be a stock for everyone i i don't think any i don't think honestly any growth stock is is for everybody you have to yeah. really like you have to not only see it but you have to truly believe in it and it's hard to talk people through if if you don't really believe in it right um because you're going to get too caught up in the short term it andre with bitcoin you know what i mean like you you talk to me all the time about bitcoin this bitcoin that and and um you know it's hard for me to get involved with that because i look at it and i'm like it has this trillion dollar valuation well, on it and I, like i'm laughing because i see jeremy and kevin
2: argue about things and then jeremy's like well you know you gotta be a believer
3: <laughs> no, yeah. What are you talking
2: about? What about Bitcoin?
3: That, that's that's the part of investing. Honestly, that's that's the that's. The hey, part I got of my. Religion. I'm not diversifying religions. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you all can't right. get everybody to buy everything <laughs> unless yeah, it's Tesla stock. In that that case, everybody can buy it. But this is no. This is yeah, you you can see, Andre. It's tough, man. So what's, I don't know, Graham. What, what do you think about all this? This this uh circus you know what
1: kevin brought kevin brought up a really interesting point that what could be leading to some of the lower revenue with this is just increased cost of shipping and labor and manufacturing i don't know how much that that's kind of skewing things and if that lasts for another two years i mean that could put a major dent in that i that's something i didn't consider i don't know how much that plays into it if anything
3: so yeah I don't think it plays much into the long-term story. I think it's all just distractions in the short term, man. You know, I I don't know. I I don't want to keep comparing it to Tesla because then people are like, Tesla and Tattoo Chef aren't the same. It's like, no kidding. But you you ought to understand these growth stocks, they go through the same exact things. Tesla was always something, something, something. It was always, oh, they missed this number. They missed that number. Their margin's not where it should be. You know, it was always something right for the last several years. And finally, people have gotten out of the way with Tesla. Oh, it was the EV credits. Oh, Tesla's just benefiting from EV credits. Right. It was always something constantly. And if you paid attention to that stock and and I feel like Tattoo Chef's kind of in that same category. And it's just if, if you're not on board with it, it's just you can't be on board with it. And, and speaking about on board, Andre, I'm up to two hundred and seventy five dollars worth of Bitcoin now. Ooh, baller. That's great. 275. That's progress. I'm I'm going to take a dollar a day. Wait a
1: second, Jeremy. Is that why Bitcoin's going down right now? Did you buy? Yeah. <laughs> Ever since I got in Bitcoin, it has gone down. The oh, short geez, sellers dude. are... I, That's I, the I, thing. It's like you buy like... For all of us, we have like a significant amount of money in Bitcoin and then you buy like $50 worth and tank the entire market.
3: You guys said you wanted me to buy so I bought. Oh, I, I, take I, didn't him you I got, got a him given to me. <laughs> Yeah, I got it for free. I got it for free, and ever since then, it's just going down. So Bitcoin twenty k is coming, guys. So Andre, you will get ready to load up, baby. Thank you. I have paid. Everybody said as soon as I buy, as soon as I have some Bitcoin, that's that's the top of the market, man. There's nobody left to buy in at that point. So, Definitely but uh, Andre, in all seriousness, what what's going on with Bitcoin? Because I heard there's something huge going on here where the, the Bitcoin. Maybe I'm wrong. Bitcoin could be potentially even a competitor to Ethereum now with some of the newest moves. Is there anything to that or is that just crazy talk and what's going on with Bitcoin? Oh, you're talking about the taproot upgrade? Um, yes. No, it's, it's not going to be quite a competitor
2: to Ethereum. It's just going to enable Bitcoin to do some extra features. Um, Kevin actually did a really good job on on the price movement of like huh. the, the futures interest. And that's and, uh, and a big part of why there's a big sell off. But then I like looked at the market and I'm like, is that really like the real reason why it's going down? Because I feel like that's kind of more of like a symptom of why Bitcoin is going down. I feel like there's maybe another underlying reason that triggered that sell-off. And then that's what I was trying to figure out. I don't know if I have the right answer, but I'm, I'm kind of exploring the idea. I don't know if you've been following the, um, the trial that's been going on in Florida over uh, a man who claims to be the creator of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, and I don't want to like mention his name. It's 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 someone I've been following since 2017, and he's kind of been like a boogeyman within the crypto community, who's who's just basically said like he's Satoshi. And what's interesting about that is if we find the creator of Bitcoin, that would be the most devastating thing to its price. That I would agree. Be wow. Horrible, horrible. So that's the last thing we want to do. Um, but but Andre, let, let's say this guy has been saying he's Satoshi
1: what would be his motive if, if, if my thinking is that if he was actually the creator he has no incentive whatsoever to say that he's I mean he that's his baby I mean that's his legacy for as long as he's alive why would he want to ruin that mystery it's better to take that one to his grave
2: Ah, uh, yeah yeah no that's a great question I think one of the reasons why somebody might want to take the credit is just because like who wouldn't if, if you're somebody who created something that significant wouldn't you want history to remember you for that like that's a huge ego play for somebody who's as smart as as the person would have been to create something like that so if I'm going to go down in history I want everyone to know I created that um but what's interesting about that whole lawsuit is uh, so so by large the crypto community does not think that that guy is Satoshi like they all denounce him and they're like that this is not Satoshi this guy's a fraud uh whatever right uh, because he's gotten himself into this, to this ego play of like, oh, I'm Satoshi. There's, there's a family that's claiming that. Well, if you're Satoshi, Satoshi worked very closely with the, with a gentleman by the name of Dave Kleiman. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Kleiman, Kleiman, um And and what's interesting about that is there's a thousand. I'm sorry, a million Bitcoin at stake. So they're fighting o- over who gets to control a million Bitcoins which is worth over like $66 billion right now. That would put that person on the, the 20th richest people in the world, right between the Walton family, the people that own Walmart. So, I mean, it's huge. So what's interesting about that is that if he does turn out to be a fraud, and if that case goes against him, then technically he would owe a million Bitcoin, which is something he might not even have access to if he's not actually the real Satoshi. Like, imagine that you claims to be satoshi even if you're not so the judge is like okay you're satoshi but you lose like you need to share the bitcoin what's that guy going to do it's, it's 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 a really interesting thing it's a really interesting scenario that's going on does that it's mean you're
1: I like how Graham just vanished.
2: (laughs) I don't know what happened.
3: My
1: internet just cut out and uh, then it randomly came back. I don't
2: know. I was like, did I just disappear? Was that Graham? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, uh, it's a really crazy story. I'm actually making a video about that on Friday, I think. Which, It it, it goes really deep into that story. But uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. I think that's part of the reason why we've seen a sell-off, at least what started it. Wow, by the okay, way, you think
0: because it's fallen quite a bit uh i mean falling. you know for crypto it's small but i mean like seven percent in a day is is a lot uh you think it's because of that huh
2: well i think that's partly what started that fear and then the sell-off okay. just kind of you know compounded into itself but i don't know if you guys remember but in february when coinbase went public they released a document to the SEC, and in that document, they outlined a bunch of uh, risk factors for, you know, if you're going to invest in Coinbase, here are some risks. And, and they cited things like Bitcoin and Ethereum being a part of their, a huge part of their business model. That's how they make money. And if Bitcoin and Ethereum's reputation goes down, then they're going to make a lot less money. And in one of those reasons that they cited for, for you know as a risk to investors was uh, the unmasking or the revealing of the identity of who Satoshi Nakamoto is. So it's a huge, huge liability that even Coinbase is recognizing as one of the biggest uh, detractors of Bitcoin that that could potentially send it really, really crashing down.
0: So that's interesting. I never thought about this. This is really the first week I've started hearing about some of this and I haven't really paid much attention to it. So finding out who created Bitcoin is actually really bad is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But I'm misunderstanding perhaps why.
2: Yeah, so uh, the reason that, one of the reasons why uh, new cryptocurrencies aren't taking off, like if you think about it, is like, what's one of the first things we ask when we look at like a Floki or Shiba Inu? We, we look at the team, right? And we're like, why are they anonymous? And why don't, you know, why don't they share their identity? And who are they? What are their intentions? And we, we question the characters behind the technology. And one of the things that Bitcoin had going for it in 2008 and 2009 is that the creator managed somehow to be anonymous. And I think that's almost impossible to do in today's world of social media. And the reason that it's so important to stay anonymous is that Bitcoin is immortal in that way. It's not attached to any character. It's just an idea and ideas are like bulletproof, right? They, They can't be really destroyed. They can't be killed. But if you put a face and a person to something, a person that's flawed is not perfect. Then you could open up a wormhole of, of attack vectors where the government or a corporation that could create a narrative about, well this guy is a scammer and you shouldn't invest in this. I'm oh like there's so many ways to connect the person to the technology that you make that, that idea mortal and, and it can be destroyed. And so hmm. I think one of the reasons why no crypto could really ever catch up to Bitcoin in today's world is partially because it is almost impossible to do something to that magnitude and stay anonymous. And Bitcoin managed to do it. It was like the last one or the first one that did it. And it was the only one, really. So that's why we don't want to know.
3: Uh, I, I love that, Andre. Now, do you think that's f- reason for the price action we've seen recently? Or is that completely disconnected?
2: Well, well, Kevin did a really great breakdown. of. He, he looked at like the technical analysis of the futures market and the futures open interest. So maybe he could talk about that. But I just looked at like maybe the underlying reason, what triggered that, and I, and I think part mm. of what is triggering that is is the fear that if the courts rule uh, that this guy happens to be Satoshi or maybe we find out something we didn't before, uh, I think some of the insiders are paying attention to that court case and some of the whales, and maybe they're you know selling or maybe they, I, I don't know what what they're doing exactly behind the scenes, but Kevin kind of maybe Kevin can speak about the technical analysis.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and you're you're getting a bunch of liquidations because as the price goes down, like, you know, the price ran up to 69,000 and everybody's like, oh, it's going to go to 100,000 this year. And, I'm, uh, you know, I, I've regularly said, I don't know about 100K this year. You know, maybe that's like a 2022 event, but whatever. That was the belief that, oh, my gosh, it's going to 100K. So you had a lot of people load up on leverage when this started running to 67, 68,000, 69,000 new all-time highs. So as soon as it started rotating down a little bit, you got a large amount of liquidations, which which helped push the price down further. Uh, And uh, now that we've broken under 60, k you know, we're sitting at 59.7. A lot of folks are questioning, okay, like, where do we go from here? Uh, And I think going to what you're saying, Andre, anytime you have uncertainty in the stock market, you get a sell-off. Like, it doesn't doesn't matter if it's uh, a rumor or if it's actual news or if it's just fear of potential news. Uncertainty means price goes down. And you've got the entire crypto market, uh, for some reason, selling off. And uh, it could be because, you know, it got a little overextended and it's just a healthy pullback. Maybe it's a combination of that with the liquidations and this this uh, level of uncertainty, which I I think is very likely the case.
2: Yeah. Remember, this guy is supposedly has access to a million Bitcoin. Now, there's like how many Bitcoin are there, like 16? I don't know, like out of the total amount, 18.8. But but is that the amount in circulation that including the ones that we've lost? Uh, I don't know. Either way. Circulating
0: it, supply 18.8, max supply
2: twenty-one. Uh, that's at least just what CoinMarketCap says right now. I don't even know if that's accurate. I feel like there's okay. a lot more bitcoins that were lost throughout the years than just oh. the three, but I don't maybe maybe that's all right. Either way, one out of eighteen is a significant amount. I mean, can you imagine a person with access to a million Bitcoin flooding the market with that? Like what kind of damage that could cause? That's insane. So that that's a huge uncertainty risk that Kevin just mentioned. So what you're saying is sell bitcoin (laughs) yes so i could buy it (laughs) wait so so you don't care about the uncertainty i don't i don't i think there the crypto markets always got a lot of like fear uncertainty and doubt people pump these kinds of fears and it always returns so i'm i'm in a way i'm hoping something bad happens so i could buy the dip but i i don't want it to happen uh
3: did uh Did you guys see uh, CoffeeZilla's video by chance called Tether Has Lost Its Mind? Did about four or five days ago. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Okay, Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, he he, basically a video he does on on Tether and how Tether has exploded over the past year or so. And he kind of, uh, I mean, if you watch that video, he kind of attributes Bitcoin's massive rise here to Tether and um, also goes on Mm -hmm. to. Uh, basically kind of talk about how it's a joke because Bitcoin is supposed to be that thing that's like, you know, doesn't inflate or or anything like that. Right. But really Tether is just forcing Bitcoin up like crazy. And it's basically doing the same thing that the Fed does just behind the scenes. Right. Um, Where it's not right in front of your face, it's more behind the scenes. So I don't know. I, I, I would love to have heard your guys opinion on that, especially the three of you all own a lot of Bitcoin. And what the defense is for that, if there is any defense for that?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a that's a deep rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> I, I I'll watch the video, but I know that yeah. Tether recently uh, bought a bunch of, or at least printed a bunch of Tether recently. Uh, kind of in line with what's going on in Florida, the court case. But I haven't been really closely following their their of and what, whatever how however many they're printing um but you're right in that tether is a huge huge boogeyman in this in this space but so far i guess i don't know why they haven't been punished for it it's they're just allowed to exist and do that which which again is a huge boogeyman
1: yeah i feel like Listen, a lot of that is already known at this point a lot of people yeah. hear tether and like yeah we already know about that we've been hearing about this for years it's eventually something eventually is going to happen it hasn't happened yet it's, it's in the back of our minds but we're not going to worry about it that just seems like like what people's thought process is
3: well i I understand that but i would love to hear the debate or the conversation about whether tether's really pumping up the price of bitcoin or not i think that's the main concern right
2: I, i don't think anyone would ever come to tether's defense let's put it that way i don't think anyone's gonna be like well i mean unless maybe someone from tether would love to chime in and tell us but i don't i don't think anyone in the crypto space would ever come and defend what they're doing
0: yeah T- this the tether fears have been known for a while and and talked about many many times. Uh, it's not just uh, Coffeezilla, although I respect his work. I mean, we've we've talked about this before, uh, as early as January and March and February of this year. Uh, the stablecoin risk is very much one, and that's what tether is. It's uh, how many times is the money being lent out? You know, there's no regulation, there's no transparency. Where are the assets are, they actually backed fully. Uh, I think that's always just going to be this built in risk with crypto. And I, I think probably that is one of the biggest risks that I see for crypto is that you get regulation that shines light on what's actually happening. And all of a sudden you see that one tether has actually been turned into 30 or 40 or 50 Bitcoin. Well, that's going to be a problem <laughs> because it doesn't take much to, to take that kind of over leveraged market and make it collapse. So, uh, yeah, that that is a very serious risk. And that's, in my opinion, probably the biggest risk. I don't know. How much of a risk this revealing of the uh, the founder of, of Bitcoin is? I, I feel like they would almost become a little bit more of just like a founder of Ethereum kind of person, uh, and and they probably respect the institution enough. I mean, I you know Andre, you're shaking your head. I, I don't know. I, I I don't I don't know. Uh, I, you'd hope that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean,
2: obviously there's there's some level of risk there, but I do think the stablecoin risk is larger. Yeah, and the reason I was shaking my head is because uh, a Vitalik Buterin is relatively normal person uh, by, by normal people standards go but the character that, that man's uh, an alien
3: first off i don't think yeah. he's human
2: uh, but go he's, on yeah extremely smart i tried to read his papers uh it's i read one sentence and i'm like what did i just read i have to like reread it again <laughs> mm. uh I couldn't, I couldn't understand a word he was saying but uh <laughs> satoshi on the other hand or at least the person who claims to be satoshi is very different character that that I don't think most people would want necessarily associated with Bitcoin or any crypto so that's why it's a big risk got it
3: that makes sense Hmm. so uh, what are you guys buying out there a little ethereum ethereum was down what was it nine percent last night or or so yeah I think
1: think it's what four thousand now right did it did it drop below four
3: no, it's back to forty-one forty-nine, but I think it was at. Did it drop below four yesterday, guys? Or
2: Let's see? Um, I don't think I it know? did. Not below. I four.
0: don't know that we fell okay. under four. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, are you going to buy, Jeremy? Now that we have a nice dip and you've been exposed.
3: Me, <laughs> me. Come on, man. Are you? You buying Would more than Chef? Do you want Ethereum to crash? You tell me. <laughs> you tell me what cryptocurrency you want to crash, and and I can crash it. It's, it's not, oh. nothing for me, guys. So, you know, whatever you want, just tell me and I'll make it. Jeremy's happen. just going to put a, a
1: dollar in it and he's going <laughs> to wipe like $500 million off the market cap. Yeah, he's going
0: to get gifted a dollar of Ethereum yeah, and wipe 500 oh, <laughs> yeah.
3: million. Even better. Even better. Oh, wow. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, are, are, do, are you guys interested in buying the dip there? Because it was at just 4700 recently. I don't know if you guys are. You just consistently yeah. buying or you want to buy heavier if it dips more or what are you guys thinking about yeah that?
1: no i bought a little bit earlier like when it was 62 but i'm just buying consistently so if it drops to 50 it doesn't matter if it drops to 30 it i don't care if it's well, ethereum 70,
3: specifically
1: 60. graham oh ethereum specifically uh i bought ethereum probably a few days ago but i'm only buying chunks at a time like i i, I don't put in more than the equivalent of like one ethereum at a time so I just do that at a regular basis. So I'm I'm not dumping like 50k in Ethereum. I'm doing like four to five grand at a time every few days consistently. That's about it.
2: Invest only what you're not willing to lose.
1: What about you, Kevin? I know I know you bought a decent chunk of Bitcoin. Uh, when was it? the other weekend after Elon yeah, a couple weekends street. ago. Yeah, yeah. It, it
0: did. It did great. Uh, I bought it at like 60, 61, like three yep. or something like that. 61, five. Uh, and, and then it ran to 69,000, you know, and it was just basically straight up from, from when I had bought, but now it's just been straight down since then. <laughs> and so now those, those, uh, you know, 17 Bitcoin or whatever are down, uh, I don't know, 1500 bucks each or 2000 bucks, each, yeah. whatever. um, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's part of
1: the so game. What's you know, what's your plan with Bitcoin, Kevin? It's it's a decent amount. I know in the past you've 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 sold off and you bought it back cheaper and oh, you've yeah. increased your position. Is your plan on this one just to hold it for a few years and see what happens? No, I'll I'll
0: trade it. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna sell it uh, when it's when it's in a pain mode, but I'll probably sell it in in a few months. You know, get through some of the drama now, and if if we hit like seventy five thousand, seventy
2: seven thousand, or something like that, I'd probably sell it then. Did you guys uh, see uh, J.P. Morgan's uh, pre- uh, predictions, or I guess analysis, that Bitcoin's still going to double, or it's going to outperform every other asset class? By, yes, like, you know, <laughs> that, was, that was interesting. It's so funny to see the guy that like completely poo-pooed <laughs> on Bitcoin. In fairness, so yeah.
1: it still seems like he he believes the same things. He still calls it worthless, <laughs> but he's like, even though it's worthless uh based on all these factors it could go to this price even though it's not worth this price it doesn't mean it won't trade at that I think that's been the going narrative throughout almost everything in this market is that all right it's not worth this price but if everyone buys it and they don't sell it and based on this market cap and the available float
2: I can how, keep going up, How do you figure they're doing an analysis on something they think is worthless? Like, like, I mean, those two don't marry. Like they don't go hand in hand. If you think something is worthless, how are you able to make future predictions on it? Like probably just
0: trend analysis and charting. Uh, that's that's all I could expect. Uh, I mean, so you yeah, keep because on like a
2: stock to flow and just uh, like a volume. I mean, maybe, maybe volume, maybe or
0: just draw Fibonacci
2: yeah. and go ah, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: seriously, <laughs> these uh, dots
2: connect. Look, they form a pattern.
1: There you go. <laughs> yeah, they're they, listen. They're busy drawing dinosaurs out of the charts and be like, this is a Stegosaurus. <laughs> and if we look back at other Stegosauruses, they go up twenty percent and. Oh, we got a giraffe over here. So that—that's bullish. So that, I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Okay, so we're all pretty long investors.
3: (laughs) Yeah, because that's what I was trying to get to with you guys. Do you you buy heavier if the dip's bigger? Because I know I do that with stocks. Like the heavier it falls, the more heavy I will buy. You know, So let's say I was a believer in Ethereum. I'm one of those guys that if it fell to 3K tomorrow, I'm going to put way more in than if it fell to 4K, right? So I'm just curious if you guys do that with crypto. Sounds like, Graham, you don't. Andre, Kevin, if it's a dramatic move Hmm. down, do you do extra if it's down big? And also, do you guys trade any? any bit of Bitcoin, Ethereum at all? Or is it only I'm holding this for the next 10 years? That's like four questions. <laughs> Remember them all. Okay, got it. <laughs> all right. Kevin, you go first.
0: Oh, great. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I definitely trade it. Uh, sure, I mean, I, I buy more heavily when prices go down. Uh, that's, uh, you know, my, my thing right now is I'm a little nervous about stocks in general and and just even... In, 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 Crypto market, I'm really not going to be nervous until probably the second half of next year. So I'm not so worried about crypto. But uh, I think the stock rally is is insane. And uh, I'd, I'd like to start building up some cash again for uh, the next dip. Who knows? Maybe that'll be in December when we start getting the drama with the budget uh, deficit and, uh, you know, uh, government shutdown and the debt ceiling again. <laughs> so I think they'll there'll definitely be another opportunity. I don't think we need to be paying some of the prices that we're paying on a lot of different stocks right now.
3: Okay so yeah and by the way my main question was if if a crypto falls more do you buy extra like do you go heavy like oh, if ethereum's down 20% tomorrow do you load the boat or is it just i buy the same amount all the time just so you guys know
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of buying uh, in larger batches when I think uh, there's there's a good technical reason to do so. So I'll buy a large batch if I think it's about to run. Like I bought 17 Bitcoin because I thought it was about to run at 61, you know, three or whenever I bought it. It did. (laughs) Unfortunately, it also (laughs) evaporated, (laughs) you know, a week later. Uh, But uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll definitely trade it like that. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I, I, I don't, don't trade it, but uh, you want to go a-
2: We know, we
3: know you don't trade it, Graham. We already know your answer, Andre. We need to hear your answer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, I was gonna say I, I don't trade it either, and I just dollar cost average. So I'm kind of like Graham in that way. I just dollar cost average like a thousand a day into it. Um, but if there's something significant, like thirty thousand to forty thousand dollars you know, we dropped to 40,000 or something ridiculous where it's like, oh my God, the world's falling apart. I will load the boat like crazy, but I don't typically buy the little dips. And I, and I'm with Kevin that I think second half or or at least the the first half of of next year is, is like the summertime it's going to peak. And that's when we're going to see the real, real flash in the pan. It's going to be crazy.
3: Wow. I want to I want to ask you guys a question about that in just a moment. But first, we got to say thank you to everybody that's uh, in the Millennial Money Squad. We appreciate you guys. Thanks for everybody that always smashes a thumbs up and a subscribe to the channel and joins us every Tuesday night. We appreciate you guys. Much love as always. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm curious, guys. So if you look back at the 2017 run in Bitcoin and the crypto market, it seemed to have fallen apart. I think it was what was it January. It was either December or January. Right. And so why wouldn't we have that same type of thing happen now where things maybe peak again, December, January, fall into the new year? Why are you guys so worried about the second half? And you you bring up the second half, because I don't think a lot of people understand that. And, and me, that means me. I don't understand it. So uh, me, it's <laughs> inflation. That's I think when inflation
0: rotates down, finally, it's not going to be a great catalyst for crypto because people are parking money in crypto because they're fearful of, inflation and so if that catalyst goes away then it becomes maybe less necessary to hedge against inflation because we might not have inflation
2: yeah pretty much and and then July is when we'll fully taper out which by July we shouldn't be making jokes about Jerome Powell whoever the fed's going to be in eight months or whatever it's going to be so uh, yeah by then we you know we should have a better idea if supply chains are easing if if you know so inflation's still high, but I seem to think that it's it's uh, still gonna be high. It's gonna be higher than we think.
3: But I don't know. Graham, do you think yeah. anybody really buys Bitcoin or Ethereum because of fears of inflation?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. yeah. Oh gosh, I would say part of part of my reasoning for buying it is that uh, I love the fact that it, it's just it's a new asset class that I feel like would be a good hedge against inflation. Just the fact that there's. 21 million of them they're not they're not making any more of them definitely gives me a little bit of comfort knowing that they can't just devalue it the next day even even though it could be extremely volatile and there's nothing stopping it from dropping 80 percent but i think long term i would believe in that more than i would the current financial system okay
3: i, I definitely yeah. want you guys well, i i need the three of you guys to watch that Coffeezilla video because i think all three you are still missing this point that 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 about tether you're 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 addressing points about tether but you're not really addressing the elephant in the room that i'm trying to get to and i i'm not smart enough to explain it Mm -hmm. so just watch that video let's talk about it next week because i think it's worth addressing and coming back to because you guys keep talking about yeah there's only 21 million bitcoin ever but you have something behind the scenes that's basically just doing what the fed does and um Anyways, we'll, we'll come back to that. I don't want to, uh, you know, beat a dead horse there. But that
1: doesn't. So, but that doesn't change. But that doesn't add more
3: Bitcoin into circulation.
1: That would absolutely put buying pressure, increasing the price. But that wouldn't
3: add more to the circulation. True, but. I don't know. It's complicated. I don't know.
2: We'll come back to that. So, I I wanted to ask you something about uh, the debt ceiling. So we're going to talk about it again soon, I guess. Right. (laughs) And Do you think that the debt ceiling will be held over people's heads as far as like passing the build back better plan? Like, Do you think that some people are going to try to pass in there with it with the debt ceiling? They'll just sneak it in there as a way to pass that or do you think it'll pass on its own?
0: No, I, absolutely together, because, uh, okay. look, That's you're going to do a budget reconciliation deal to get the Build Back Better plan through. Uh, what a perfect way to deal with the budget by also extending the debt ceiling and dealing with the government's budget <laughs> hence budget reconciliation. So it's
2: it's the perfect, the perfect bill to do it with. They just got to get their act together and get the bill. Is isn't that kind of messed up that, like, we hold such huge issues hostage over <laughs> over such big problems? Yeah. Like, I mean, why don't we it's just, always like, it normally. It's always going to be something yeah uh, it's
0: always going to be something because uh, uh, politics is divided because we have we have so many issues but then you know nobody wants to hurt their own pocketbook either it's kind of like you know, in California, we know we have these massive housing issues and people are like, yeah, we need more housing. We should have more affordable housing. And then as soon as it turns into like, okay, cool, we're building some new apartments over here. he's like, oh, hell no, not in my backyard, you know,
1: it's, <laughs> yeah. it's
0: kind of the same thing. It's like, it doesn't matter politics or local government or whatever. If it's even slightly inconveniences to somebody, it's a no vote from them. <laughs>
2: right. That's crazy. Yeah, that's
0: always gonna be something, but but I don't worry about it. Like, you shouldn't worry about it either. I mean, they always end up passing the budget and, and extending the debt ceiling. Uh, it, If anything, I think it'd make a nice buy the dip opportunity. Uh, you know, and, and I really think with how frothy things are right now in the market, whether it's uh, Rivian or it's a Lucid with some of these stupid valuations that we're seeing now, uh, or which we did expect Lucid to run in fairness. Okay, I've been saying all year long, people were like, well, when's Lucid gonna run? I'm like, when they deliver cars. Now they're delivering cars and it's running, right? But it's also, we're in this sort of euphoric cycle where just like Etsy's almost $300, you know, Enphase, $250. It's, some of these numbers are just insane right now, and so I kind of hope they they sell off a bit because I'm just sad. I'm I'm looking at the prices like I can't buy these things.
2: So. Yeah, and you think and you think that uh, the debt ceiling conversation is going to send the stock market a little bit more fearful.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That because it it'll, it'll come. Uh, we'll see. We'll have multiple things converging at once. We'll have government shutdown, a debt ceiling, sales data from Black Friday and Cyber Monday, which you know, might not be the best. It could be the best, but it might not be, right? So we'll we'll know that. Uh, but so that, you know, that could create uncertainty if it doesn't come in as, as great as expected. Uh, and, uh, you know, on top of that, you've got this whole thing with, uh, is J-POW going to get replaced? Which we should know that this
2: week. Mm. So we'll see. Actually, somebody just said in the chat, I just read it, Nathan said, <clears throat> if that U.S., uh, Jeremy, this is kind of for you, if that uh, the tether situation becomes a real issue in a crash, what a bounce we might see if it if it doesn't actually become like, like take the opposite side. If tether maybe we do find out that it's backed by assets or whatever it is, what, what do you think that would happen to the price?
3: Yeah, I mean that would be probably a bullish catalyst. Um, yeah, it's still not exactly the point though no, that that's that's a part it's not i think everybody understands and i think we've talked about it like around tether and and is it backed by anything and those sorts of things it's it's a there's another issue like i said i, I don't want to come uh, you know beat that dead horse but um yeah I, I think you bring up a good point kevin around how holiday sales are because yeah. inflation you know i think it's killing the middle class right now i think it's doing some damage and um you know, i was looking at consumer prices for just a lot of basic items and my gosh the rises some of these these items have had recently is extraordinary so yeah but uh, people have more money than ever and and that's the the weird thing uh you know people? obviously we
0: want well we want to be empathetic to you know maybe folks making less than forty thousand dollars as a household income but but uh a lot of people who uh have careers who are even remotely exposed to they own their own, their own home or they're exposed to stocks uh, or or they've uh, uh, they, they've seen their wages go up. A lot of people have more money, even though that purchasing power might be lower in certain, in certain cases, like if you're buying a used car or whatever, I think a lot of people have a lot more money than what we've seen. And uh, you can see this in the household savings rate, the personal savings rate. We went through this just a couple of weeks ago uh, and uh, we might be surprised. I mean, so far numbers are looking really, really good. I mean, we saw consumer, uh, consumer optimisms up retail sales this morning were up. They were up in China as well. We were expecting them to come down yesterday. They actually went up, uh, which was uh, a big U-turn in expectations. And there's this really interesting conversation, this former executive. I've mentioned this a couple times now, so sorry if it sounds redundant. But there's this <laughs> former executive. He went on uh, CMDC uh, for Macy's, former executive of Macy's. And he's like, you know, everybody's saying they're going to move up their purchases because they want to make sure they get their stuff in time and they don't have any holiday Christmas shopping delays. So they're going to buy stuff earlier and maybe we'll see less buying for black Friday. And he laughed at that thesis because he's like, as a retail executive, that's not true. Every time consumers say that they end up buying the first time when they say that, and then they buy the second time anyway, <laughs> they end up buying for Black Friday and the holiday anyway. So they just end up spending twice as much money thinking they were doing something smart. In reality, they're just spending more money and not and, uh, to me as, as an investor, it's just music to my ears. It's like, please, please spend yourselves into oblivion. What, what difference does it make to us? Uh, I encourage people not to spend, but you know, my reach is not all consumers. So what do I care? <laughs> yeah.
3: Mm. yeah. I, I don't know, guys. I'm a little I'm a little worried, man. I mean, your money velocity is horrible. We talked about that in last week's episode, right? You know, listen to some of these numbers. This is out the out of the Bureau of Labor Statistics. October of this year versus October of last year, eggs are up 29%. Chuck wow. roast is up 28%. Bacon's up 27%. Ground beef's up 17%. Sugar's up 12.5%. Boneless chicken's up 9%. Talk Not about coffee, 10%. Jeremy.
1: Talk about coffee.
3: We have to raise, uh, no,
1: no, actually we're not raising our coffee prices, but now we're basically, uh, our margins are so thin because uh, they've raised the price of uh, our coffee. Yeah, I, I think coffee. It went
2: up, it went up about wow.
1: 15 to 20% for coffee. Yeah, coffee are here is
2: 6.1%. What's up? Graham, are you going to raise prices? Or are you going to pass
1: the cost off to consumers? We're not going to raise prices quite yet, but we have to. At, at some point. I think we want to try to carry it out through at the end of the year. We're we're basically like, before we were making about a dollar, maybe two bucks per order, depending on what people would order. And then that would just be reinvested back through like uh, marketing and whatnot. But now we're basically going to be at nothing. So we sell something, we make nothing. So now it's just the cost of customer acquisition to keep growing for the rest of the year. And then probably the beginning of the year, like we have to raise the price actually like dollar or two, just because for us, the cost went up. So it just, it is yeah. what it is for so me. It's really like, really that's like it. I mean, it, there's no coffee. other way to do it. Because otherwise you just, you run an unprofitable business. that doesn't make sense to operate
3: at all. Oh, that's what I do, Graham. Right. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. I, Jim, I'll ask you all about that. Yeah. I am the expert on running unprofitable businesses. All of them are unprofitable. So <laughs> anywho. Um yeah, I, mean, I don't know, guys. On all seriousness, I'm worried about the middle class. I think it's a, I think it's a subject where Andre froze. I think it's a subject we're gonna have to pay a lot of attention to in 22. Anybody that makes less than 100k, that's a group I'm worried about. And um, you know, yeah, just to I, be quite it, frank, I whole, really am. But look, I mean, look, it sounds empathetic,
0: uh, but let's let's be real. So, 500 bucks for, for I don't know a, a person or maybe a, a younger couple in groceries. Thirty percent, 150 extra bucks. Family uh, spending 1,500 bucks on groceries, an extra 30 uh, percent. That's 450 bucks. It's a lot. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the end of the world uh, for some people. Again, like you're under forty, fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, that that hurts. That price rate, you know, that that sort of income threshold that hurts. But those aren't our real big consumers anyway. You know, the big consumers, in my opinion, are going to be those those households that have discretionary income. Uh, Those are going to be the people with household incomes over $70,000 a year where this extra $450 a month, it's a hurt. But they're still spending money because they've got the wealth effect. Real estate prices are going up for those that own real estate. Uh, Those that don't, yeah, there are a lot of people getting squeezed out. But I think the other people with the wealth effect, they're spending more money uh, to, to, to make up for the people who aren't just my belief. And my heart goes out to the people who are getting screwed and pinched, uh, by, by these prices. But, uh, I think net net, our economy is much stronger as a whole. Uh, and and again, unfortunately to their demise. Yeah. Uh, I
2: I, I, I disagree. I disagree.
3: uh, Quick question Uh,
2: for you guys. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, do you guys think inflation is going to go up
3: or, uh, down next year? Well, that, that's a big subject. That's a whole uh, That's a, <laughs> woo, that's
1: yeah, a We got to look words. at the, the national debt clock. That's what we got to do. Yeah, that's what we're oh, talking God. about, baby.
3: But uh, in all seriousness, <laughs> if you're making under 100K, that's who drives this whole economy. That's who drives Apple's earnings. That's who drives everybody's earnings. We got to
0: separate that, right? So there's under 100K and then there's under 40K, right? (laughs) It's like the people under 40K. That's going to, it sucks. Those are the people who are getting killed with inflation, especially the people who are in credit card debt. Credit card debt, uh, paycheck to paycheck, which in fairness, a lot of people are paycheck to paycheck, right? Uh, But a lot of folks who are paycheck to paycheck aren't shopping uh, for discretionary goods all the time because they're just trying to get by. This is why when stimulus checks came out, it's like, here, all of a sudden we just see, you know, discretionary spending skyrocket and, and all that money gets spent uh, because those folks are unable to buy when they previously aren't. Uh, but I don't know that they're driving how much of the of, of core spending they're driving. I, I suppose that would be an interesting statistic to dive into. So we'll have to we get punt that one and come back after doing some research on it. But uh, yeah, I mean, regarding your question of inflation, I, I don't think there's any question that at some point, inflation will go down i don't know exactly when that's going to be but it will be down uh i i hope that it's by the middle of next year i was hoping it would be by the end of this year i was wrong about the end of this year things uh, just lasted a lot longer well,
1: well,
2: but uh i'm well, sorry. Yeah. sorry to interrupt you your your video about the implosion of the fed which i really liked. that you said mm-hmm. the um uh in the 40s right was it 47 46 47 48 um 49 maybe uh inflation was transitory but that it took three or four years yeah. don't you think it's possible in this same scenario we could say well it's 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 trans- transitory it's only four years um oh yeah of course yeah. Oh, oh absolutely look transitory
0: does not mean temporary or, or at least that's not the intention of the word i think uh lately our our society just colloquially has turned it into uh the meaning temporary but when i hear transitory i think if something's in transition uh, like you're in transit, right? Uh, it's just it's my, my belief of it. And uh, yeah, we, we are in a transition. We don't know exactly how long it's going to last, but we don't see uh, the the underlying price increases as things that don't have a reason. You know, it's not like, uh, it, it's not like used car prices are going up just because, uh, going up because of a lot of the shortages we have for new cars, uh, leading to a lot more, you know, that demand carrying over to used cars so people can actually get a different car. Uh, and so I really do think that, uh, there's, there's a high probability the federal reserve will end up being right. Uh, and I hope so, because I think that'll be the best case scenario because if the fed is wrong, it's going to create a recession. Uh, people are going to panic. And this is what happened in, in 1949. You know, the Fed was worried about 8% inflation, 46. Uh, I think it was uh, like 14% in 47, 8% in 48. Uh, and then they, they abruptly tightened monetary policy so tightly, they actually created deflation and a recession. Uh, so now all of a sudden, it, it crashed the market.
2: So do you think that the response that we had in 2020 was appropriate or do you think that was an over tightening or I'm sorry, correction, or like we over stimulated the market, therefore we're going to have to pay for it for with an uh, overcorrection? Yeah, uh, that's a good exactly. question. I'm, you know, I'm reading supply chain issues from like even even people I'm, I'm, I just saw an article a week ago from CNBC saying that there's like top executives from uh, European blue chip stocks talking about supply chain issues are going to be in for at least for a while for for a yeah. long time definitely not until the middle of next year like we're predicting that it would probably ease off but i don't know i feel like that's a huge uh inflationary pressure
0: uh, well i do i uh, but see without all of that printing i mean w- whether or not we print it too much i mean neither here nor there at this point but from what we did had we not uh stimulated the economy w- we would have had a very bad recession thanks to COVID. uh had the fed not uh, bailed out bonds uh and and uh you know backstopped credit markets this could have been worse than 2008 i mean this the, the housing market would have crashed everything would have been a complete disaster so i think the risk was much greater to the downside and we would have been in a horrible deflationary recession uh for very long uh, years uh, so i think the the if anything it's it's better to potentially overstimulate and, and then just move through the stimulus or or sort of the inflation that we're seeing now compared to what could have been but now if the fed overreacts too quickly and pulls the rug out uh because they think they were wrong then i I think that's worst case scenario for the market i mean yields will skyrocket stocks will crash uh real estate will be in
2: instant pain it'll be bad and just for people watching when when you say uh you just mean raise interest rates to like some ridiculous amount so overreact, uh,
0: in my opinion, would be uh, all of a sudden say, that's it. Uh, we're not tapering anymore. We're done. We're just done buying bonds. We're, we finished no more stimulus. And instead, we're just raising rates today. And some sort of like emergency response like that, that comes out of the blue in an unexpected path. Uh, and that is not previously announced because they, they've been priding themselves on proper communication and being very upfront with when things are happening. And if they come out of the the woodwork with uh, or something totally out of left field like that, uh, without proper expectations set for the market, we're going to have a crash. And it'll be a big, ugly crash, because now not only was the Fed wrong, but now you've hurt confidence in the Fed ever being right again, which is really bad, too. Right. A lot of people don't trust the Fed. A lot of people are already like, oh, I, I don't trust the Fed. But it's still a 50 50 debate. You know, if, if the Fed admits they were wrong and they pull the rug, now 100% of people believe the Fed sucks.
2: <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I don't think the Fed would ever do that. Like, they would never admit, like, okay, guys, we're wrong. I think it's in their best interest to keep us believing that everything's under control, which is what some people think is maybe part of the problem. Like, we're underreporting inflation. And maybe it's, you know, we're, we're trying to just be like, all right, chill, everyone. Everything's great. Everything's going under control. I just don't see them being like, well, we give up. No more buying. Uh, Interest rates die. <laughs> like that's, I just don't see that happening.
0: Yeah, I mean the problem with that is if the Fed, in, and it's, it's entirely possible, uh, but if the Fed doesn't react, uh, if inflation proves not to be uh, transitory, then uh, then then you also potentially create uh, too much of a of a risk to the other side, where now you create this potential risk of of runaway inflation or hyperinflation, which is actually very difficult to bring under control. Uh, you know, the last thing you want to see is is interest rates have to get jacked up to eight, nine percent or something, because now you create the opposite type, type of recession. It's a horrible disaster as well. Uh, very painful. This happened in the 80s. Right. Paul Paul Volcker. Very, very, very painful process. So you don't want to go to any extreme in this. Uh, and, and the Fed lying, uh, which I know a lot of people believe the Fed is full of crap. I, I get it. But the Fed doing that would, would make things a lot worse down the road.
2: Well, you said you said that yields would someday go negative. I think this decade, right? Um, how does yeah, play I, I think so. Yeah, how, how does this play into this scenario um, ultimately? Like, how, I don't why think do it makes it a different?
0: difference. I think this is all a road bump. I think this is. This pandemic was a road bump where we had a period of deflation at the beginning of the pandemic. We overstimulated to correct it. Uh, now we've created these massive issues with shipping and, and supply. Uh, we we uh, will go through this, uh, albeit painful, period of inflation for a year, two years, uh, and then we'll have had our period of of down, our period of up, and 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 then we'll be back to some form of a normalized level of of uh, of inflation again much like we saw in the 1950s. Remember, this, this has historical precedent, right? We saw after World War II, we saw really high inflation, 46, 47, 48. Fed overreacted. You see deflation at 49. What did you have for the next like 15 years thereafter? 1.2 to 1.5% inflation, next to nothing for 15 freaking years until, guess what? The government effed it up with price controls.
3: Yeah. And if you look at the 70s, man, stagflation, that, that was a whole scenario. If no one's ever done a little uh, study on, on stagflation in the 70s. That was something. But I mean, my, my personal view is I always view the uh, th- this whole thing, stock market, real estate market. It's all driven by people that make 40 to 80 K. Those are all the ones that are buying the iPhones. Those are all the ones that are buying the cars. That's who drives this whole ship. Right. And so I, I think you're going to have to look at personal savings rates right? Which we've seen trending down tremendously. You're going to have to look at money velocity, which is in the dumper. Uh, And and the wealth effect, which you touched on, Kevin, that can go away in a snap of a fingers. I mean, if you go, you going into 2007, right? If you own real estate, man, did you have a wealth effect? By 2009, you had no real estate because you probably lost it all, right? And so I just think the wealth effect can, can go away in a snap of a fingers. And I think this whole, the only thing I ever worry about for the stock market and the real estate market is people that make 40000 80000 a year because they drive this whole thing. And if those folks aren't out there spending, companies' earnings tank, layoffs happen, and you get in this this vicious cycle where it just gets worse and worse and worse. And if things are extremely expensive, needs-based things for these folks, right, you have less money to go out there and spend at places. Or you have to take out high interest debt, right, to go buy that thing and so this is a factor we, i think we have to think about and consider and i think this is why over the next year uh, you, you'll be able to understand where the stock market goes where company earnings go by just looking at the middle class in my opinion of this country and the state of, of the middle class or or not the state i just don't think the state of the middle class is nearly as strong as some people believe right now so that's my two cents graham andre you guys done anything i know kevin and i did a lot of talking as far as this yeah, goes what, with your guys two cents what's,
0: what yeah. do you consider middle class? Yeah, I think that's important because are we talking about people making less than 40,000, which would be no. low,
3: right? No, so uh, 40,000, 80,000 a year. that okay. That's the core, my, what I consider 40,000, 80,000.
1: I would almost probably go up to 150 or like 180. Cause I think in high cost of living areas, like a lot of the coastal cities, even 180 after tax and after expenses, that's the equivalent of like 70 K
3: in a lot of spots. In America, I think that's a very small segment, though Graham. I, I think, I, I mean, I really think about it as forty thousand, eighty thousand being that true middle class, of terms of, of each person making. So a family making eighty to let's say up to maybe one hundred and sixty. That to me, that's always been kind of the true middle class. So, uh, but yeah, I would love to hear your guys' take if you have any 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 thoughts around that in the state of yeah, middle I don't class. Know.
1: I, I I would say I, I don't know. To me, middle class is probably. Well, again, depending on, the, okay, we'll just say 180 and under, just overall across most areas, at least at least for me. I don't know. I, I, I tend to agree that uh, we'll probably see things pretty pretty high for another two years or so. It's just these supply chain issues. I, I think that's all it is. If, if this gets ironed out and more materials get built, it's going to bring down prices. I don't think inflation could stay this high forever. My my biggest concern is, a, is an overreaction from the Fed, is that they feel the pressure to have to make a sudden adjustment, and that throws things off balance. That, I would say, is probably the biggest risk.
3: I agree. Andre, do you have anything to add there? And and by the way, I just want to make a quick point here. Um, In terms of – here's here's the scary part, right, is if we end up in a situation where – you know, the middle class is being eaten away by inflation. And let's say folks start actually losing jobs and we actually start ending up in like this this cycle where we go through a recession. Then we're going to have a debate, right, about should we do stimulus checks again, right? And should we start a stimulus program? But the difference is this time is we're not going to have a once in a 100 year health event. So now it's going to be like, OK, we're either going to go full socialism here or we're just going to you know eat this and i think that's going to be a big debate and then on top of that you're going to have this scenario where it's like okay let's say we do stimulus checks who's to say we're not going to end up in the same place we're at right now it's just it's going to be a, a short kind of like you know drinking some caffeine and uh, and then it's just going to come right back and we're going to end up in our same situation and maybe even worse so i don't know it's some food well, for thought I- but
2: I, I will say I, I don't think that people are gonna lose their jobs. I think if anything it's the opposite. It's it's never been easier to get a job right now. That's um, right now. With, with all of this labor shortage, right? Um, but there's so many factors that are playing into like this inflation, whether it's supply chain issues, which who knows when those are gonna get fixed, to uh, you know, uh labor shortage, which is getting people to compete for uh, for, for less people to work for them, which drives prices higher because people have to pass on the costs, just like Graham has to do with his coffee. Like there's just so many things that that's going on. And I guess we won't know for sure until later. But if anything, I feel like right now it's never been easier to get a job and people are quitting their job at a rec-
3: record pace.
2: So, Yeah. Um, yeah.
3: But I mean, we can't forget how fast things can can change. Right. You know, 2006, it was really dang easy to get a job. 2008, it was impossible. So things can switch really, really quick in this game. And I think we should never, ever forget that. And Graham has to let's say Graham raises price on his coffee and his, his consumers are already getting squeezed. And so not as many people buy his coffee. And the next thing you know, all of a sudden, Graham has to lay off a worker because it's like, man, we're not moving the same amount of coffee we used to move. So now, you know, hey, you're, you're gone in twenty twenty two. So I don't know, yeah. man. Just, that's, just a some that's a good point. That's yeah.
2: a good point. We won't know for sure, I guess, until I don't know. When do you guys think that we'll have a more clear picture of like when we'll maybe know the trend?
3: I, yeah, for me, I think it's the whole year. I think you got to keep an eye out the whole year um, of 2022. I think it's the year of, for me, at least it's the year of the middle class. Keep an eye on the middle class in 2022. I think whatever the Fed does, this and that, I think that's all a sideshow. I think it's really about the middle class in 22 and the state of them. And um, if inflation gets worse, I mean, guys, I I just don't know, uh, you know, how we pull out of that situation unless magically all all the the people in the middle class get a 20% raise, you know what I mean?
2: You think there's going to be just a breaking point at which inflation just becomes so detrimental that people just start
3: losing jobs because companies aren't making money because people aren't buying the stuff? It's certainly a possibility. I I don't want to make that prediction, but it's absolutely, I think, the most important factor to watch. So um, I mean, uh, Kevin, I know I'm talking a little doomsday scenario here, and, and uh, I, I think that's sometimes worth talking. I mean, do you think this no, is at all no, a possibility? Do you think it's like, eh, not really? Like, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, I I don't want to say
0: that middle the middle class is not not important. That's that's I don't want to I don't think any of us have a debate about that. You're you're totally right. The middle class is very very important. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's it's easy to feed into this narrative that uh, I- inflation, that's it, this is this is the end. We're gonna keep seeing this inflation. It's gonna keep going forever because it's what's happening now. What we're feeling now always feels like it's going to last a lot longer. I mean, I just got a, a, a ranting uh, <laughs> essentially, well, I, I get messages like this uh, all the time but people hear me talk about this and for, just for example, here's somebody, send me a tweet message. Bro, you sound like CNBC trying to justify inflation on millennial money. And it's like, I don't really care uh, what other people think, I invest in, in what I believe in. And if I believe that uh, inflation is going to go down next year, I'm going to sell my crypto before that. Uh, uh, and and I'm going to be long on tech stocks and growth stocks. If uh, if I think there's risk, then I'll hedge myself more with real estate, which I probably will do anyway, because I like buying real estate because I can buy it below market value. But uh, do I believe that, uh, you know, the, the consumer all of a sudden is going to turn around and decide, you know what? That's it. Coffee's just gotten too expensive. We're not buying anymore. No, I I don't think that's going to happen. I think the are uh, uh, I think prices will will come down a little bit, uh, and uh, they'll slowly come down, and uh, we'll go back to a relatively normal market.
3: Kevin, I just want to be clear. I think I saw Graham typing on his computer right before you read that tweet. There. Okay. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I'm just gonna put that out there. So um, yeah. <laughs> but anywho, so what what's the top five altcoins I can buy, Andre? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> don't answer that. VGX? No, I'm just kidding. No. Yeah, VGX, VGX. Yeah, that's, that's oh my goodness so no seriously any stocks you guys are buying out there I know we talk about Bitcoin ethereum you guys are buyers any any stocks Graham Andre Kevin what what moves you making
2: uh I'm actually considering TTCF uh, based on your video but I don't know man and then Kevin made some great points about just the the raising of uh of, of the marketing budget and it's just like the Profit margins are shrinking. Is that temporary? Is that long? I don't know, man. I'm kind of on the here's, on the. Here's edge there. all know. you need
0: to know about Tattooed Chef and uh, Jeremy. You agree with me? You agree? It's all about the revenue, right? Yes, revenue. It's all about the revenue. Okay. Tattooed Chef cuts revenue forecast by about 10% for the fiscal year of 2021. There you go. That's all you need to know. Oh,
1: my God. He's peaced out. (laughs) Um. All right. So he's he's out now. All right. I'm kidding. Uh, so I don't know. I mean,
0: I I got a stock, but I'll I'll let you guys talk first about you. You can respond, Jeremy.
1: Yeah. Now I haven't bought anything. The S and P five hundred. I've been watching Fisker, so I'm really yes. happy that that my my stock pick there when it was like thirteen dollars. I think it's like twenty two now. I'm not adding to that position, but that's been fun to watch. Mm.
2: Let's let's buy Graham's. Uh, what was that? What was the EV that you bought? That's down like eighty percent. What's it called? Lordstown Motors. Just ride. Just save Graham. <laughs> just buy the dip. Oh, man. No, that's that that so BK.
1: beyond. Oh, wow. Look at this. Fisker is, is Fisker's at $24, and it's up another 2% after hours. Wow. I mean, that honestly, if if I see Fisker going to like 35 $40, i would be so tempted just to sell it. I mean, I because I don't know. It seems to be balancing within a range, and I don't know how you could justify that price, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. $30, and it starts becoming really tempting for me to to let this one go. All I know is we're dropping to the line. We're going to 58. We're
0: approaching and approaching.
3: <laughs> Whoa. Right during the stream, huh, Kevin.
0: Yeah. It's, it's falling right mm-hmm. now. This is, that was the one hour chart. Right. This is the, uh, the one minute right
2: here. And just the, the last like 20 minutes. <laughs> what is that purple line? What's the, what's the support line there? Oh, uh, 58,000. Yeah. Uh, the bottom one, the
0: lowest. Okay, this, is, yeah. this is 58, uh, 58, Got it. Um, there we go. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I like, uh, you know, I've been researching uh, quite a, a few stocks and, you know, one that I think is really, and I don't know, I don't own any of it, but one uh, I feel like uh, an investor like Jeremy would like. And that's that's not a diss, it's actually a compliment uh, because you do like different types of companies and that's fine. Uh, Embraer, uh, the thing is uh, a manufacturer of uh, commercial and, and private jet aircraft. They have uh, built uh, one of their subsidiary does uh, EVTOLs and Brayer X, the tickers ERJ. And what's really interesting is when you look at the financial analysis of the thing, it's got a forward PE of next year of like, uh, I think it's nine. And if you go out to 2025, the forward PE is like two. Uh, it's, it's so like, bad in terms of, like, uh, how how, how low it is. But the company's booked out with sales through 2020, like, quarter one, 2023. Uh, Business jet aircraft sales are booming right now, uh, and they're expected to continue to boom, which is really great because it balances out a slowdown in commercial sales. And, uh, And they're already, you know, putting together plans, mostly probably plans and research now for hydrogen and uh, electrified aircraft in the future so i I don't know that one i think is a sleeper and so Mm -hmm. i've kind of been digging around on that one so maybe
3: maybe if people see anything wrong with it leave a comment (laughs) all right kevin how how far is it off its 52 week high for that one oh i i don't know you know i don't that's a very good question 50 i don't think it's because i don't don't consider a stock unless it's down at least 70 percent and you could have just said it, Kevin. I like falling knives, and my hands oh. usually get sliced. Oh. So. No, you got
0: to be the ninja, man. You catch that stuff. Uh, so um, we'll go. So since the pandemic, it's obviously recovered since the pandemic. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, so its recent high was 1940, and uh, right now it's 1563. So uh, it looks like it's about 19.5% off of its recent high.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but anyway, it's, it's interesting to me. I, I like it. It's now it's, it's an industrial play. It's, uh, it's, uh, probably, uh, slower growth. I mean, these, these companies are very capital intensive, you know, building planes is very, very slow. Yeah. You take orders and deposits today. It takes 18 months to turn them around. Uh, it's very hard to build a new factory and just start building new
3: jets. Uh, you know, yeah. it's a Brazilian company. So you're dealing with inflation in Brazil. Ah. Thanks for bringing that one to our attention, Kevin. What about any infrastructure plays? Caterpillar, John Deere, you guys playing anything like that with the big infrastructure plan? <laughs> Nothing? Okay. I'm not. I didn't think that was up your guy's alley there. So, yeah. But yeah. hey, by the way, Kevin, one, one quick question. Uh, infrastructure bill. I have a friend, he keeps trying to claim that only one-tenth of the infrastructure bill is going toward uh, roads, bridges, things like that. Is that accurate? I, I don't read through these bills. I figured you might know. Okay, well, just well, what, me some propaganda. You know, so this is a, this is a Donald Trump quote about the three ah. and a
0: half trillion dollar social infrastructure plan. It's about the social infrastructure one. Uh, this has nothing to do with the bipartisan infrastructure plan. It was a quote made popular by Donald Trump uh, and, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's designed to, uh, you know, promote uh, Donald Trump fans. Uh, but but look, let's be real. The bipartisan infrastructure plan, I, I've actually got a full summary of it. We're not, we're not going to go through the whole thing. But I have a full, actually, I have a summary of it right here. Uh, they, they're spending uh, $110 billion on funding for roads, bridges, Uh, 39 for public transit, 66 for rail. And so when you add it all together, it's all going to forms of infrastructure. I suppose if it's a a, a trillion dollar uh, package, one trillion to 1.2, I suppose maybe you could say one in $10 here are going for actually roads and bridges, but that's because other things are going like here, highway safety, electric chargers, ports and airports uh cyber climate infrastructure broadband clean water the grid uh pollution you know they're repurposing money whatever like it's it's all there i mean just look at the outline of it and,
3: and then you'll know and you won't get misled by by quotes and stuff like that that you hear Thank you, Kevin. I figured that was probably the case based upon this gentleman's particular yeah. party. So <laughs> thank you for that, Kevin. And I, I like how you just casually you're like, oh, I just I just have it here. Like, here's the breakdown. <laughs> for it. So I figured you might. I appreciate that, sir. So thank you for that. And um, it looks like he did a magic trick, by the boy. way. He uh, he disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin <laughs> fell so much. He's like, I'm out. I got to go buy it, guys. I, I don't have time for this. So. Anyways, Graham, you want to take us home? We might have to take us home with no Andre, unfortunately. I, I I think we're good.
1: Guys, before you leave, just make sure to subscribe. That's all we ask for in return. That's it. Just hit the little subscribe button. It's totally free to do. Hit the like button. Uh, in memory of the dislike button, which is uh, no longer really in, a, in effect. So hit the like button now. That's that's the best option. Make sure to check out the links down below in the description. Also, if you want to work with us, we put our uh, email address down below in the description. So if you want to be a Over. part of that, the link is Signing down below. In the- yes, oh, we are. Andre. All it. right. So with All that right. said, you guys, thank you so much. And until
3: next week. Peace.